This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I invite you to take your Bibles and let's go to Isaiah's prophecy tonight, chapter 6. And if you let your eyes go down the page, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. You'll recognize this text as the text where King Uzziah dies and Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up. Some have called this Isaiah's surrender to the Lord when in fact this is not the first time he surrenders to the Lord. It's actually his recommissioning. In the early chapters of Isaiah, that's where you read about his call. He accepts that call from the Lord to Israel. But when he sees the Lord high and lifted up and he sees God in his holiness, he sees himself as he really is. And then seeing himself as he really is and admitting his weakness, his sinfulness, that yieldedness then makes him usable to the Lord. And then the Lord says this in verse 8, Also I heard a voice, or he says, I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Now this is one of several times in the scripture that you see this response to the Lord's calling. The boy Samuel had a similar response when the Lord called. You'll remember that as a boy, he responds. In that instance, he is told to go deliver a very difficult message to Eli. In fact, it was a fatal message. You're going to die. Samuel goes and delivers the message. Back in Isaiah, in this chapter, we saw verse 8. In verse 9, the Lord says to Isaiah, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. So again, his response, Here am I, Lord, send me, I'll go. The Lord right after that says, you're going to go, but they're not going to hear. Again, what I'm calling you to do is difficult. Samuel's response required sacrifice. It was difficult. Isaiah's response required sacrifice. It was difficult. But in preparation for the table of the Lord tonight, we want to look at another time that we see this response. We're going to focus on this, and you'll understand, I think, quite quickly how it helps prepare us for the table of the Lord as we remember the sacrifice of our Savior for us. Go to Genesis 22 now. 
And in Genesis 22, we have Abraham responding the same way to the Lord. The scripture says, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and that word means to test, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there on a, for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now, in Abraham's ears, that would have sounded familiar from this standpoint. You go, and as you're going, I'll show you where to stop. And we read here in chapter 22, verse 3, Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son claved the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Tonight we want to look at the importance of here I am. By God's grace, understand the importance of here I am. As we examine Abraham's life and his journey of faith, we actually see two different times that this happens. Back in chapter 12 and verse 1, and this will be up on the screen for you to see, Chapter 12, verse 1, God told Abraham, Get thee out of thy country unto a land that I will show thee. And he responded, He went. Lord, here I am. Whatever you want, I'll do. And so, as Hebrews reminds us, chapter 11, he went not knowing where this journey was going to take him, but he went. He had a heart to do what God had asked him to do. And then a second time, chapter 22 and verse 2, get thee into the land of Moriah and offer, of course, Isaac, your son, upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Though the first call was difficult, the second call was no doubt the hardest thing that Abraham ever had to face. In Genesis 22, we'll see that here am I is stated not once, but three different times. Each is a different here am I. But each has a very important lesson as we follow these in the scriptures. And so in chapter 22, let's look at the context now around that first here I am. We've already read verses 1 and 2. Again, verse 3 now, Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, took two of his young men, and they head off to the place where God had told him to go. Then on the third day, three days journey, again, much travel, not easy. Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and, say those next four words with me, come again unto you. We both are coming back. And so let me just give you a simple outline. Here's the first point. Here's the first here I am that we see in the text. All right. The first one is 
The here I am of testing. The here I am of testing. Now what does this show us? Again, careful obedience to what God had said, verse 3. After three days, verse 4, Abraham lifts up his eyes. And what is understood is that God showed him where he was to sacrifice. An important lesson about faith is gleaned here. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 admonishes us not to lean on our own understanding in all our ways acknowledge God and He will what? He'll direct our path. When you say yes to God and you step out to do whatever He is leading you to do, here's what you're guaranteed. He'll show you every other step on that path. He's going to show you where you need to go. I love John 7 and verse 17 where Jesus says this, If we will do His will, He'll under, help us understand His doctrine. Do you know those who have the best comprehension of God's truth are those that when God says something, they simply say, It's got to be true. I believe it. God said it. And God says, if you will just receive what I have said, I'll turn the light on and I'll show you the rest of what I've said. And those who are able to really compare spiritual things with spiritual things are those who just take God at his word and God starts showing you the big picture, bringing it all together. But that's not going to happen unless in our own hearts we say, Lord, here I am. Whatever you show me, I'll do it. Whatever you teach me, I will learn it. And when we have that attitude, here's the lesson. Every time Abraham stepped out, said, here I am, what he was really doing was worshiping the Lord. Worship is something that we can do in a setting like this when we lift our voices in praise to God. But you realize that every time you allow him to be Lord of your life and that you just yield to what he says, that is an act of worship. We talked about prayer this morning. If you pray when God prompts you and you spend time on your face before the Lord, that, that is worship. And he is well pleased whenever he speaks and we say yes. It's worshiping him. So here is the here I am of testing. Abraham's response was worship. Later Isaac getting on the altar. What was that? That was worship. What test might you face as an individual or family? Abraham faced a pretty hard one here. This was going to be a literal sacrifice. God might tell your family to move as he did with Abraham. God might tell you to sacrifice something that you love dearly. And when you say, Lord, you give, you take away, it's yours. That is worship. Now, there's a second here I am, and that is the here I am of teaching. Parents, as you worship the Lord by a willing heart, willing to do whatever God calls you to do, that will help your young people see some of the greatest life lessons that, that there are. 
Uh, I can look back on, on my life and when my parents surrendered to whatever it was God wanted them to do, that was a teaching moment for me. And ultimately, the lessons that, that we learned as my parents tried to follow God in, in what he wanted them to do, ultimately what that, that taught me is you can trust God for everything. Trust his leading, trust his provision, trust his protection. So back in chapter 22, look at verse 7. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, here's the second instance, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now have you ever stopped to consider in verse 7, Isaac asked that question because he had parents, and specifically here a dad, who had consistently worshipped the Lord through sacrificing. Isaac knew how this worked. He had a dad that loved God. He had a dad that got alone with God and, and would offer these sacrifices. And now Isaac is expecting this to happen again, but there's something missing. Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Teaching moment. Verse 8, Abraham said, My son, God will provide, what's the next word? I love this. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Again, this is the here I am of teaching. Isaac was going to learn a lesson that would sustain him through the rest of his life, even after his dad had, had passed from the scene with the Lord. Isaac's response shows us in verse 9 that being bound was just something because of what he had been taught, because of his dad's trust in the Lord, that he too, as Isaac, could trust the Lord. And so we get to verse 9, they came to the place that God had told him of, and Abraham built there an altar, laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Put yourself in this setting. At this point, by the way, Isaac is old enough, he could have resisted dad, he could have run. Abraham would never have been able to catch him. But there is such complete submission to the will of the father and the father to his heavenly father. There's no conflict here, though there certainly is tension in the text. There isn't a single dad here tonight thinking about our son and being asked by God to do this where we don't ache inside with what is happening in verse 9. And then verse 10, Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. The silence and then response of Abraham and Isaac teaches us a lesson. The first lesson was about worshiping. This lesson is about waiting. Did Abraham really know the outcome of what was going to happen? What do you think? He knew God was going to provide somehow. And later on in the scripture, we find out what he believed. He believed that even from the ashes of a burnt sacrifice, God could bring his son back. 
But honestly, with the knife in the air, he doesn't really know what God's going to do and how this is going to turn out. He believes, but he's willing to wait on the Lord and to see what happens. I will obey. God, outcomes are up to you. Would you agree with me that that's one of the most difficult parts of the Christian experience? God has spoken. I must obey. Well, how's it going to turn out? All I know is my God's got this. God is going to bring you and I to that here I am of teaching. I was talking to someone recently where they were at a situation with their family. It was an absolute impasse. But they prayed and they made plans to do what they knew God had told them to do. And in the moments leading up to them being willing to step over that line to pursue this next step of what God had told them to do, the phone rang. Maybe later I'll be able to share with you all the details of this circumstance, but the phone rang and just that fast God cleared the whole thing up without them having a clue about what was going to happen. The here am I of teaching. And once again, that means we are willing to wait on the Lord. Now let me put it in the soteriological context that this is. All the way through the scripture, we know going all the way back uh, to the Garden of Eden, God predicted that the, he had a plan of salvation already in place. I want us to understand something quickly tonight, that when God tells Abraham to go to Mount Moriah, and Abraham sets out, he heads north on that three-day journey, and he, begin, he gets up on that mountain spine and, and that, that's through central uh, Israel. And up on that mountain spine, you have Jerusalem. Further down, you have uh, Bethlehem. Further south, you have Hebron. As you get up towards what is Jerusalem, as you climb that, you come to a place where there are a series of mountains. One of those mountains, and it's one of the first ones you see, Mount Scopus, as we know from New Testament times, is off to what would be the east, but the one directly in front of you is Mount Moriah. And Abraham would have gone to Mount Moriah, and on the highest point of Mount Moriah, that's where he would have constructed the altar. He always worshipped at the top. He would have constructed that altar. He would have bound Isaac, put Isaac on that altar, and on that highest point on Mount Moriah, he would have lifted the, the, the sword or the uh, knife in the air to come down on his son. Do you know in New Testament times what Mount Moriah is? Some of you do. It's Mount Calvary. It is Golgotha. The highest point of that mountain is where Calvary was, and just below that, on a more of a flat area, that's where the Temple Mount is at. That's where the, the temple, Solomon's temple, Herod's temple, that's where those temples stood. 
but Mount Moriah is Calvary. I've maintained, and I maybe when I get to heaven, I'll be wrong, but I believe where that altar sat, I believe many years later, there was a hole in the ground, and right in that very spot, this way God does his business, that very spot there was a, cro a, cro a cross that went crashing into the ground, bearing the Son of God. God will give his own self as a sacrifice. Now let's continue and then we'll come back and make the connection again with our Lord. As you continue in chapter 22, you see this in verse 11. The angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. There's your third occurrence. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him. So I think, again, in fact, this is behind him. The Lord speaks, and then he hears something, and he lifts up his eyes, turns, and what happens? A ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his, in the place of his son. Verse 13 is amazing to me because that ram, which would have been one of the mountain sheep, and we saw him when we visited Israel the last time, if that guy is caught in that thicket, how is it that Abraham is there, he builds an altar, he binds his son, puts his son on the altar, raises a knife over him, and there's no sound from behind. Now, I don't know, but literally, it appears from the text that God did right then put that ram in that thicket. There's no indication it was there before. There's a whole lot else going on here in the text. But now there's the ram in the thicket. Could we say it this way? In the fullness of time? <laughs> Just in time? And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. So this is the hero I of triumph. This is the hero I of victory, or we could say of winning. Is this a good outcome? It couldn't be a better outcome. Now we need to understand this from the text though. God is showing all of his saints through the rest of history, his heart at this very moment, at that very spot. Because here's what you and I have to realize. Abraham put a sharp knife over his son and he was going to plunge it into his son. God stopped him. But do you realize that there was a day when Jesus Christ walked up that same hill with a cross. 
He had prayed, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But what did Jesus say? Not my will. Here's another way of saying, here am I. Thy will be done. And stay with me here. That knife over Isaac, it was stopped. But you know, when God was ready to put his wrath on his son to pay for my sin and your sin, he went through with it. It had to happen. Why? So that our sin could be paid for. Because I couldn't pay for my sin. You couldn't pay for your sin. And by the way, the blood of bulls and goats and lambs, it couldn't pay for sin. It could cover it. It couldn't wash it away. The very Son of God had to experience the wrath of God and shed His blood and die so you and I could be delivered from sin and hell. The ultimate victory. And so let's conclude tonight. If you go to verse 16 of chapter 22, the angel of the Lord, verse 15, called unto Abraham out of heaven a second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thine son, thine only son. Why does the Lord repeat that? Because he sees eternity. And he knows that on that very spot he would give his son, his only beloved son. What does verse 17 say? There would be blessing physically. That in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore and thy seed shall, be, shall possess the gate of his enemies. So physical blessing, yes, with overtones of spiritual blessing because those children also include Abraham's spiritual children. And who are the true children of Abraham? Those who believe what Abraham believed about coming Messiah. And then there's spiritual blessing, verse 18, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. And so the ultimate here am I. It's found in John 6, 38, I believe. For I came down from heaven. The Father sent me. I said, here am I. Not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And as I stand here tonight, before my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. There is a table set between us. And the table represents the greatest, here am I. Jesus obeyed the will of the Father, came and gave his own body on a tree. And you and I have all the blessings that come along with his glorious decision and victory. Would you agree with me again tonight? Such love demands our lives, our souls, our all, demands our love. 
And so he bids us to the table tonight. Abraham, it all pointed to Jesus. Isaiah, it pointed to Jesus. What in the book of Isaiah does he constantly try to get Israel to recognize? The coming Messiah. By whose stripes we are what? Healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, but he has turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him what? The iniquity of us all. Father, thank you tonight for these here am I's, the here I am's in the scripture, all pointing, Father, to the day that you would give your son, your only son, your only beloved son. And whereas you, you stopped the knife in Abraham's day, in Jesus' day, the hammers rang out. The Savior was pierced by nails and thorns in order that the sin of mankind might be borne away forever. And so, Lord, tonight you bid us come to your table to remember a body torn, blood shed, the life of the Son of God given that we might have redemption. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.